my disapproving and unsympathetic family. Now that I was old enough to make that wish come true, I intended to support us in London as a designer, and Armand was my ticket, because he understood the principles of design, and how to work with manufacturers, and how to present ideas to clients. So when he asked me to sneaky over to the modelling stand, I washed off my brush and left the stylized iris I was painting unfinished. I moved Armand's lights around for him, then waited to see what was to be the subject du jour. Sometimes he had a model, one of the pros, sturdy, compact men with well-defined muscles and the strength to hold long and difficult poses in the ateliers, or one of the garçons off the street, thin and hungry and sometimes larcenous. But today... The subject was moi. I would rather be painting. Armand was fine. I didn't at all mind going to bed with him. It was the elaborate preliminaries that got me down, because Le Maître required elaborate little dramas. Perhaps I could tell Nan that I was learning the theatrical trade as well. Armand put his arms in the air and lifted one foot. Le danseur, he said. One of our favourites, a little glimpse of Bacchic revels. Wouldn't my old classics master be impressed? In this one, I was a celebrant with a wreath of fake ivy around my brow and a strategic trailing scarf so that Armand could send some images to a respectable gallery. Some. The others were frankly pornographic and were kept for his private amusement. He demonstrated each pose for me. I had to keep from giggling, because Armand, as fat as a prosperous butcher, was a most unlikely dancer. And yet he had something I did not. A feel for music, a sense of motion. I tried to repeat the gestures, but failed, so that he had to step up on the stand and correct my position. This was par for the course— and half the time we didn't get any pictures at all, but end up en flagrante, a new and useful term, on the modelling stand. That was afternoons in the studio, all amusing in a way, but I still had another repeat of the tulips to paint, and if Armand was flirtatious, even kittenish, before, afterward he was all business. I was his apprentice, and while the master can knock off early and head out to a café, the apprentice needs to finish the piecework of the day. "'The client comes tomorrow, Francis,' he said, collecting his hat and his light jacket and sacheting off. Of course, even late work was better than the alternative. Imprisonment at some wretched school with Latin declensions or Greek verbs or other topics that would never pay the rent. Still, I hated missing Madame Dumoulin, my gallery-going acquaintance, who had planned to stop by Galerie Billier this afternoon. Now I would surely be too late. Madame's tastes were Catholic, and although a show of sculptures and toys made of wire sounded less interesting than paint on canvas, I learned something new every time I accompanied her. We'd by chance met in the Palais de Luxembourg, I had just finished cleaning the studio, the apprentice must keep things spick and span, and wandered in to see the famous Impressionists. Bright skies, pretty women, 
and sporting types on an eternal holiday. Well, mostly. I did like Manet's Olympia, realistically skinny and cynical, lying naked on her bed while her femme de chambre brings her the most immense and beautiful bouquet, and her black cat arches its back, as if this visitor, or even moi, the spectator, is deeply unwelcome. I've been there, and I can attest to the truth. The Olympia, Victorine Meurant, was not only a famous model, but a painter herself, and now I recognized her features in half a dozen canvases. I knew this thanks to Madame Dumoulin, who stopped next to one of Monet's nymphias while I was looking at the huge canvas. Imagine a billboard in the most beautiful blues and greens imaginable. That's how big the painting seemed, and scattered across it were the water lilies, the botanical...